Here's to the crazy ones, the misfits, the rebels, the troublemakers, the round pegs in the square holes, the ones who see things differently. They're not fond of rules, and they have no respect for the status quo. Okay, peeps, so welcome to Your Creativity, where apparently we're creative or something like that. Anyway. We're apparently a podcast. Yeah, well, yeah, we're that. Yeah, we're cool. We're a podcast? That's and, what we are? Yeah, we talk into a mics, and some people out there on the internet listen sometimes. I just thought I was talking to my mom. But hey, today's guest, we actually have Shane Smith. And um, Shane is actually a former gang member, so don't like piss him off because he <laughs> might he might take you out. And he's actually an amazing comedian. And you do a ton of stuff, so I'm not going to give a full bio. But welcome, Shane. Hello, everyone. How's it going? It's going great. Cool. So, so we just, should we go into the elephant in the room? I mean, which, yeah, sure. <laughs> which elephant? Well, there, 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 I There's guess there is a couple elephants. of elephants. Well, the one in the intro, the the, the gang member thing. Um, I mean, what do you want to know? <laughs> where, where, what do you, what do you want to start with? <laughs> which areas should I avoid in Salt Lake? Um, there's not, honestly, I don't think there's any areas to avoid in Salt Lake. <laughs> um, it's pretty, Salt Lake's pretty nice, all, all things uh, told. I don't know, I don't spend a lot of time on, like, the west side of Salt Lake. I live downtown these days. So. It's a, probably a good thing not to hang out on, while we're on the side of the town today, but. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think one thing, like, uh, when you say, like, where, where don't I go, you assume, like, gangs are, like, out that's like a street Yeah, they're gang. only in one portion. <laughs> it's like a wireless fenced area where just that portion of the city is all the gang members all throughout the city. Well, but even if like a gang member could be a well-behaved person, like you're not necessarily a street gang. There's lots of ways to make money as a uh, a person in a gang. I mean. I'm in the chocolate gang. Usually. There you go. There you go. Willy Wonka? Kind of. Pretty <laughs> close to that. Oh. Totally close to that. Um, the fucking. Uh, yeah. So like. Can I swear? Whoops. Yeah, you can swear. Okay, cool. You fucking can't. I mean, it's only my mom listening, so we don't have anybody else. All right. Hi, Steve's mom. Sorry about the F word. And uh, <laughs> so, the uh, yeah, so, but like, uh, you know, being a gang is like a, a, a designation from the police. And like, um, I mean, even, even people who are like in organized crime is technically gang stuff. So, you know, there's not just street gangs. Being in a gang could mean all sorts of things as far as like criminality is concerned. Very true. Okay. Wait, okay. So now Shane's also deep. So Shane's a philosopher, also. <laughs> like that's not written on the bio, Dylan. Yeah. I, I, with conversations, he he can get deep. I can get I can get deep. I like to tread in the deep end sometimes. See, I'm in the little like waiting pool area. That's my <laughs> side of the pool. It's just the shallow side, <laughs> staying calm. I, I I like staying in the middle and going where it's warm. So if there's a warm current. In the deep end, you like to follow oh. the P currents. Yes. Okay. Fair. <laughs> I hope that they have the dye in the water, so I know which currents to stay away follow from. The blue. <laughs> yeah, stay away from the dark blue. I, okay, but you're actually an accredited um, comedian. You've done all kinds of stuff. You host a podcast. I do. Tell I, us about that. I do. Um. Well, as far as the podcast is concerned, it's called Freaky Geeks, and uh, I host it with a person named Noel Cummings. And uh, we talk about the uh, basically anything uh, 
that's like counterculture, alternative culture, all the way up into like pop culture. So things that are geeky all the way to things that are freaky, right? So both of us are like grew up punk rock and into metal and uh, but also going to Comic-Con and reading comic books. So we kind of mix and match things. We also talk about like sexuality and uh, the human condition a lot. So it kind of like is a range of everything, you know? It's like a really, it sounds like we're a focused podcast because you're like, what things are freaky and what things are geeky? And if you think about it, you're like, oh, everything is both of those things. Freaky and geeky. Yeah, yeah. So we talk about a lot of stuff. Like, For instance, we have a, a new episode coming out where we went to a uh, a person's uh, sex dungeon. And uh, we learned about the BDSM community. And uh, we got flogged and learned about all their toys. And uh, Shibari rope tying, which is the Japanese style rope tying where they uh use like hundreds of feet of rope to tie you up bdsm style and hang you from a hook and like whip you or sex you up or whatever you want to happen you know you got hung upside down and whipped i did not not a fan of getting tied up uh i found but i did get whipped <laughs> i did get whipped yeah so that's like uh for instance that's something we're doing soon but yeah, so we uh we're all over the place. It's very not safe for work. Like wildly not safe for work. But you also took a crazy field trip down to Las Vegas, the AVN. Yeah, that's awards. true. We were invited to the AVN Awards, um which is like the Oscars for porn stars. So that was pretty cool. We got to meet a bunch of porn stars and uh talk to them and sort of see like uh them in their natural habitat, I want to say. So they were all, uh, it's this big award show and it's kind of like a convention where like fans can meet up with the girls. But since we were there with the media, we got to like talk to everyone and sort of like mingle and go to the parties. And, uh, yeah, we didn't see the actual awards show because you have to have like a special invitation. I'm pretty sure you'd have to be like, you know, a serious media member or, uh, an actual person who's in the industry to go, but it all looked pretty amazing. So so. you petitioned for it. To apply for one of the next shows, the yeah 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 basically in an upcoming movie. Yeah, I, I want to know how you got invited because I, I think both me and Steve, at least speaking for myself, I'd want to go. Yeah, yeah. Well, you'd have to. Um, I've been like involved or know people from the porn industry and stuff, and so I kind of had a hookup that in that way. You had, but you had a way in. Yeah, so yeah. I had a, I had a way in, and so. Um, also, my co-host has done, like, alternative modeling and things, and so she's got the, you know, we would just, uh, we fit, and so they were like, yeah, of course you can come down. And then our podcast is about sexuality a lot, so they listened to the podcast, and they were like, oh, yeah, obviously you should yeah. be here. So, yeah, you guys have favorite porn stars? I'll tell you if I met them, what they're <laughs> like. See, Dylan's going to confess to stuff that I would know nothing about. You know, been- I know there's a little person. Bridget that does it, but I don't even think she does it anymore. I don't know. I think there's, I mean, I know there's, you know, more than one person who's done scenes, but as far as little people go, I don't know of any, like, regular porn stars. There has to be more, right? There probably There have to be. I I would imagine. I don't run across many in my searches. In your searches? (laughs) Dylan's looking for little people porn. (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, my God. Okay, I don't know if I want to go. <laughs> yeah, anymore. is this a road we don't okay. want to go down? Yeah, this is totally a rabbit hole. <laughs> Not a good one. But, but your podcast gets its way. I've been to a couple of the live shows, and those get super crazy. Yeah, yeah, they do. They get weird. Um, the last one was it was pretty <laughs> intense, actually. 
we had a lot of I made out with uh one of the the comedians there. That was weird. You know, things just happen. Sometimes you just got to make out with a dude real quick, you know? Did a picture ever surface of the of the kiss? No, no one took a picture, <laughs> okay. I don't think. So that's as far as everyone's concerned that didn't happen. I have plausible deniability. <laughs> because now my mom knows. Yeah, I your mean, mom my, knows. She's going to tell listener, everyone. It's, it's gone. It's all over. <laughs> She's going to post it on Facebook immediately. Yeah, pretty much. She might need help posting it, but she'll post it. <laughs> she'll get it there. So um, let's let's go into the comedy. How did how did you get started? Uh, so I started comedy. Oh man, what it was a while ago. Well, I had the idea to try comedy because I was always something. I always thought I was funny, like a lot of people do. You know, here's the thing: if you think you're, you don't get to decide if you're funny, right? Other people decide exactly. for you. <laughs> and so, if you're a person who's like, oh, I think I'm pretty funny, you're probably not. Is the problem. And so I was like, oh, I think I'm funny. I could probably do this. And so I tried it, like, uh, I would say about five years ago. And uh, I went and I bombed terribly. It was awful. It was so, so bad. And I was like, well, mark that off my bucket list. I tried it. I'm done. You know, I did open mic one time. It was terrible. And I remember I think I was watching, like, a Nick Swartzen special. And I was like, oh, I could do this, <laughs> you know. And then I, t- I, went, I bombed my dick into the dirt so hard. It was terrible. And then – um. I didn't do it forever, you know, for like three years or four years. No, three years. Yeah. And so then um, I just decided I got like a wild hair up my ass, I guess. And I was like, you know what? I am going to try this. I think a lot of it was that I had like nothing else going on for me, you know? I was like, what am I going to do for a career? Like I'm one of those, uh, it's so douchey, but I'm one of the people who who did like open mic and was like, this is now my, I'm going to make this my job. Like that was right. from day one. That was the plan. And so, um. Most people don't start like that. Most people are like, I'm just going to try it and see how I like it. Yeah. You know, I like went into it being like, no, all all in first day. And so I uh, watched a bunch of stand up, wrote some jokes, showed up uh, this time much more prepared than that last time many years ago. And I didn't do too bad. It wasn't good, but it wasn't bad. And so uh, from then it just like progressed on. You know, I was dedicated to it from day one. So every week over and over again, I would go. I started going to shows. I started meeting people, and then you get on shows. You know, it's the natural progression, right? And now I'm I'm uh, where I am at now. Honestly, there's a part of me that, you know, when I started, I was like, oh yeah, I want to do this for a job. In my mind, that's the goal. I'm not going to do this unless I'm going to carry it to its logical conclusion. But even then, you don't think you'll ever, you know, you see people ahead of you, and you're like, I'll never make it to where they are. You know, you never imagine yourself getting there. And I've like already surpassed you know, what I thought I was ever going to be able to do. And I'm still moving up. So that's pretty cool. But, yeah, that's kind of the general idea. I can't sing or dance, you guys. So this is it for me. <laughs> well, good thing this isn't a video podcast. Otherwise, we'd we'd make you dance. <laughs> um, comedically, who who's some of your inspirations? Oh, man. As far as just, like, not stand-up, but just comedically, yeah. uh, some of my huge inspirations, are they're, like, all over the place. So the Muppets are a huge inspiration for me. I know that sounds weird, but, like, I'm being genuinely serious. Everything the Muppets do, I absolutely love. Uh, so they're, like, they've always been, like, a huge inspiration for me as far as, like, when I was a kid up to now. Like, I still love everything they do, all the new Muppet movies and stuff. Um, there's a few internet personalities that um, do, like, comedy on YouTube, uh, H3H3 and uh, iDubs are two guys that like have had a big effect on my comedy. Uh, I love those guys. Um, who else? 
I mean, there's a lot of stand-ups, you know. Of course, there's like the Pete Holmes, TJ Miller, Anthony Jeselnik, uh, Nate Bergazzi, guys that like you hear them do stand-up. John Mulaney, and you're like, oh, John I want to, awesome. yeah, I want to emulate that person, or I just want to be as funny as them, you know. So uh, Conan from Late Night, he's like a big inspiration. I've been watching him for like as long as I can remember. The Simpsons, yeah. I've got a lot. Honestly, anything even I'm like easy to please. I unironically like the Transformers movies. So like <laughs> I do. I'm so easy to please. And so like I, I just consume like a ridiculous amount of media. And so anything that makes me laugh is gonna influence me. Well, speaking of the Muppets, that's I, I've introduced a new question from myself to the guest. Yeah. Favorite Muppet and why? Yeah, see, Dylan loves the Muppets. Oh, too. do you? Yeah, I love them. I, I'm obsessed. I love the Muppets so much. I actually was planning on getting a tattoo of it, but um, Gonzo, Gonzo's the the greatest Muppet by like leaps and bounds. He's unpredictable. He's insane. He's crazy. He's always like got this like weird physical comedy thing going where he's invincible, but he's not. <laughs> I love it so much. He's hilarious. He's always doing stunts. He's he's great. That that, that fits you perfectly. Yeah, yeah. So the other elephant in the room, your tattoos, you know, where, when did you get your first one? And Oh, man. I think I got my first tattoo when I was 16. I started working on my sleeve when I was 16, which if any, anyone is listening that is not, is young, don't do that. Don't just start. <laughs> don't just start getting tattoos where people can see them, I would imagine. If you're going to start, start on like your chest and your back and then work your way out, right? That's in my mind what you should do, but... um. Yeah, I got my first tattoo when I was 16. I lied to the tattoo artist and told him I was 18. And, uh, and he yeah. just believed you? Yeah, yeah, he just believed me. And then um, one of my friends ended up getting a tattoo gun. So I got a lot of like home-done tattoos, which is another thing no one should ever do. <laughs> Don't let someone at, a, at home tattoo you. That's terrible. My sister has a few of those. Yeah, they're not yeah. good. They're bad. You could get – they're, like, dangerous, firstly <laughs> – Secondly, they're going to look terrible. Thirdly, they're going to, like, scar you and be extra painful. It's brutal. Don't do that. Yeah, yeah. And then blurry and stuff Yeah, like that. yeah. That's called blowout when they, like, push the needle too deep and, like, it, the ink, uh, the lines get all blurry and weird. That's, yeah, you don't want blown out, gross, home-done tattoos. Do you have a favorite tattoo on you? Um, my stomach is probably my favorite. I have a giant bear tattooed on my stomach and chest. Uh, It's just, like, the face of, like, a grizzly bear. I like it because it was so painful, and it took so long to get that when it was done, I was like, I did it. I'm done. <laughs> I never have to do that again. So every time I think about it, I'm like, ooh, so glad I don't have to do anything like that. It was so painful. Do you have plans for more? Um, Yeah, I'll be completely covered uh, by the time I'm done getting tattooed. They're just expensive, so... Yeah, that's why I've only got one five years ago. So. Yeah, yeah, they take a lot of time and money to get. But um, I'm working on my legs right now. I'm getting a Baphomet tattooed on my shin. So, what, what is that? Baphomet is like uh, is kind of like a satanic symbol. Uh, it's a uh, the a goat with breasts, several arms, wings, uh, a devil's head, sort of. Um, it's hard to explain, but basically, it represents like the left hand path. Which okay. is like you know the de- uh, the angel stands and its right hand points up and its left hand points down, so the left hand path is always like the devil's path, you know, or the okay. alternate path, 
basically. And it's heavy metal. I'm into it. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Steve, have you ever wanted a tattoo? Um, I'm kind of a wuss, so yeah, yeah who knows? It, it, it's really not that bad. Yeah, I'm <laughs> a wuss. It is on my list of things when I date somebody, one or two tattoos, because they're edgy. Yeah, yeah. I kind of like you, that. What are you, what's your first tattoo going to be? Yeah, I can't even answer that one. You don't know? No. Okay. All right, that's fair. Does that work? Yeah. And it may have to be somebody that persuades me to go and do it, and it will just be on a whim. Okay. That's a good way to and get one. I'm just doing it with them, and then we'll, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. I like that. The story behind the tattoo is as important as the tattoo. I don't like, I'm not a huge fan of people who are like, this is, I mean, not all tattoos need to be like the TV shows. We're like, this is for my dead grandma, you know, and it's like this big emotional thing. A story for a tattoo could be as simple as like, I was never going to get one, but then someone convinced me and we went. But then like, my mom cool. said, let's go get <laughs> yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we went and did it. Oh, man, it's a real thing that could happen to me. My mom likes tattoos. My wife wanted one for her birthday, and I, I've been thinking about one, but I hadn't decided anything, so I decided that day. And it's Beatles lyrics. Be- uh, living is easy with yeah. eyes closed. Yeah, there you go. Which fits me. Yeah. So it it was kind of whimmy, but all my all my tattoos moving forward will be Beatles related, just to keep it a theme. Of, like, nice, good theme. There you go. Dylan's gonna be all copyrighted. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> any picture of Dylan will have to be like blurred <laughs> out a little bit. He's sue me. He'll get cease and desist. <laughs> How do I do that, Paul? <laughs> cease and desist. Hey, walk us through, Shane. Like, what's your typical day? My typical day? Oh, man. You, it's wait, so, do, you, do you sleep in? Do you wake up early? It's so unimpressive. I uh, So my typical day, uh, most people's days start like around 9 or 10 in the morning, and that's when I'm about – that's usually when I'm going to bed because <laughs> I have like really bad insomnia and I don't have a day job. So I go to bed. Uh, as a, so I'll usually wake up around like 2.30 or 3 in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> so those are my days so i love bad. those days yeah yeah so i wake up around then uh you know i go i walk to Seven Eleven. i get some diet mountain dew it's my ritual uh i sit down i play video games for a second i check my emails i get ready to figure out what my schedule for the day is usually uh i exercise and now it's time for comedy and whatever comedy related stuff i'm doing you know whether it's podcasting or going to a podcast or writing or going to several open mics or going to shows and then uh i get done with that usually around like 11 or midnight and then i come home and then i sit at home and play video games and paint or whatever for nine hours (laughs) so your only food for the day has so far has been a diet like mountain dew oh yeah i i eat i mean i do eat it happens i don't know what i eat it's usually fast food it's not good (laughs) I'm like the healthiest unhealthy person because I'm pretty. I think I'm in pretty good shape. Nope. Yeah. 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 I'm, I recently ran like a, um, oh man, like an eleven twenty two mile, which is pretty fast. So, um, but I also eat like a, an insane amount of Taco Bell, just so much Taco Bell. It's so protein. Yeah. No. Totally. You know, calories in, calories out. I I drink green smoothies. Those are good for you. But yeah, my days are not exciting. Usually when things get spiced up is when I'm traveling. I've been traveling a lot more lately, so that's always good. Where have you been to lately? Um, Mostly just L.A. and New York. I was in Wyoming and Idaho for a little bit, but those places suck. 
Can't really, can't really brag about those. Yeah, well, it's not travel. You know, they're right next door. Yeah. They, they're just Utah, you know? They're a pop-out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Idaho is literally just feels like Utah, exactly. And Wyoming is just less good Utah. You know, Wyoming is a dumpster fire pretending to be a state. Let's all be honest here. <laughs> that place is awful. but Except Yellowstone. I mean, I don't know. It's full of mosquitoes. People are falling into those pools of acid and getting melted. Yeah, I heard about that last one. Oh, yeah, it happens every year. People like go in there. You're like, why are you going in there? It's weeding out people. It's true. I mean, so like they probably wouldn't have gone too much further anyway. Right, I right. Mean. I just hope they didn't make kids before they jumped in. But uh, yeah, so uh, New York. I was in New York recently. That was really good. Um, staying in Manhattan and then uh, hanging out in Queens, uh, performing at the Creek in the Cave in the stand and then um in la just hanging out in hollywood usually that's where all the comedy is there's really nowhere else to go there like the comedy store and the improv yeah yeah the comedy ones. store improv and the laugh factory are the big ones um i would i did go to flappers a little bit but that's in burbank when i was in san diego i wanted to go to the american comedy company it looks like a pretty nice club but i i wasn't able to make it but it i've heard good things yeah, about it's that. really nice yeah yeah but uh, those, yeah, that's pretty much all the traveling I've done. I want to do a little more. I'm probably going back to L.A. in August, so it stinks because I'd like to travel and be more diverse in my travels, but all my travels are comedy-related, which is essentially work. So, like, you know, I go to New York, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to go to New York and, like, hang out and do New York, but I just spend the whole time in two buildings in Queens, you know? And so, like, I don't do anything. The, your room in the club? Yeah, yeah, basically. And then when I'm in L.A., I'm like, oh, I'm going to go to the beach and do all this stuff and, like, hang out. And then I just spend every night at the comedy store, and I don't really go anywhere, you know? Is it, those shows run pretty late, don't they? The comedy store is open to like, 3 a.m. every day of the year. That That's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Did, did anybody, did you see anybody uh, big while you were out there? Yeah. I mean, if you're hanging out at the store in the Laugh Factory, there are famous people or as far as comedians go, famous. Yeah. I mean, there are some like legit, real famous comedians like Chappelle and Seinfeld and stuff that hang out. But I guess I saw Sarah Silverman. She's pretty famous for just you know like a normal person who doesn't watch a lot of comedy would know her. But yeah, man, they're all over the place down there. Crazy. Now, um, when Steve asked you about your daily ritual, uh, your writing, what what situation is the most creative for you writing wise? Um, well, as far as like writing for comedy, like my act on stage, I don't like sit down and write. He's thinking of us right now and we're giving him inspiration. (laughs) You should see these guys. They're doing a podcast. They have no clue what the hell they're doing. (laughs) Um, the, uh, usually when I'm like writing, uh, it's just like, I think of something on the spot or I make a joke to someone in the moment, you know, like in a car talking to your friend or whatever. And then I'm like, oh, I'll write that down. That actually transfers over to the stage. And then I'll work on it from there. But I, I don't, like, sit and write. That's not something I ever do. But um, as far as – that's just for stand-up. So all of my bits, all of my jokes, I don't sit and write. But when I'm writing, like, uh, lately I've been realizing I need to be able to write, like, uh, TV and stuff. And so I need to learn how to write scripts and do all these things I've been asked to do by other people. And so I'm like, well, shit, now I got to learn how to do this. So that's what I've been sitting and doing more, practicing okay. actual 
you know, writing out scripts or uh, plot points or ideas or stories. So I've been practicing more like traditional writing. So um, I just found that that was a hole in my game. And I've been trying to fill that up and get better at that. You know, it's tough. As a stand-up, you don't realize you need to be able to do those things. You know, you just do stand-up and you think, oh, I just go to the club. I do open mic as much as I can. And I get as good as I can get. And I work on my act. And then, you know, you perform. And then an agent is like, hey, I want you to help me write a TV show. And you're like, well, I do stand-up. And they're like, yeah, but stand-ups also do this. Like, oh, shit. You know, I have to be able to do that, too. So, um. Joe Rogan was here not too long ago, and after the shows, he was um, sitting around talking around, like, you know, the kind of the status of uh, comedy. Yeah. And that comedians just can't rest on their laurels of, you know, past stuff they've done. They've always got to keep on working. Totally, totally. I mean, I think that goes for anyone in any field. Exactly. You know, stagnation is the enemy of, you know, progress and, and good, you know, so... Anytime you're doing something and you're not progressing, even if you're like at the height of your game, you're you're not doing well. You know, you should always be getting. And like you're not going to always better. be there. Yeah, exactly. You should be chipping away. If you're not moving, then you're not doing anything. Just imagine like a football player, you know, and they hit the the uh, the training dummy in training, and you the you know you got to keep your feet moving so you can keep pushing forward. Even if you're not moving, if your feet are moving, you're going to have stopped. You know, the defender. If you stop moving and plant your feet, there's only one way to go but back. You know, exactly. so you can't stop moving your feet is essentially the metaphor there. That was I don't know how many of your listeners like football probably. See, you are not. totally deep. <laughs> totally. Is your mom like football? Is she, she gonna she get might. the reference? Yeah, she may. Oh man, I hope so. <laughs> your co host has a couple of questions for you. Oh God. No, well, not, what have you not done? Not that one. No, they're 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 good questions. How do you stay creative? How do I stay creative? Um, that's a good question. Staying creative is, uh, it's easy to not be. I've seen people who I think are funny get unfunny. So, like, I think being creative is a perishable skill, right? So, like, if you don't work on it, it's like marksmanship or guitar. If you stop doing it and then you come back to it a year later, you're like, oh, wait, I'm not as good as I was. So, um, basically, how you... Stay creative. What was the question? Stay creative. How do you stay creative? How do you stay creative? Okay. So basically by practicing. So like by taking every opportunity I can to try and be creative. Basically by being always on, which is something you get a lot of shit for as a comedian. People are like, really? Could you turn it off for a second and just hang out and be a person? But like maybe me, the person, likes to make jokes all the time. That is you, the person. Yeah, yeah. Me, the person, enjoys to like think about things or or analyze things or bust balls, you know. So yeah, I don't just like to sit and and uh, and you know take information and then give nothing back. I mean, I know there's a time and place for that, obviously, you know. But um, so as far as being creative, just using every opportunity, never saying no to opportunities. Always involving yourself, you know, trying to engage in conversations, not letting yourself slip into this sort of like um, haziness. You know how like it's so easy as a person to sort of be sleepwalking around and just like, you know, you're tired. You don't want to be social and people are talking to you and you're giving them like the bare minimum back. And is uh, so like. Oh, this is maybe douchey to say. I think it is. Some, especially <laughs> other comedians are like, really? But like, as a comedian, like, so that instead of being tired and giving the minimum, I'm like, well, I'm gonna, I'm gonna like give them the maximum, 
you know, even though I don't want to, I'm going to like yeah. rally myself together. And so by doing that constantly in every conversation, in every interaction, uh, you know, always, I try to make myself laugh a lot. You know, I think of jokes when no one's around or I think of things creatively. So I'm always looking, basically using my perspective to look at everything through the lens of creativity constantly instead of just like taking in media and sponging it up and not regurgitating. Like I'm always like, if I take something in, I have to give something back. I have no idea if any of this is making sense. Is no. any of this making sense no, to you? It ma- it makes sense to me. Oh, wait, what were you saying? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So basically by like, uh, purposefully seeing everything through the lens of creativity. So by like trying to be creative in every situation and not just having, Oh, I'm only creative when I set aside time to paint or I'm only creative when I set aside time to write. Like, I'm always creative. If someone's like, I didn't like that movie in my mind, I'm like, what would have made it better? How would I have written it better? You know, let's have that conversation instead of just saying like, yeah, fuck that movie. So that's kind of where I'm at as far as just like the gears are always spinning. There's a very tired hamster in a wheel, you know, and that's the thing. (laughs) You you talked about, you know, taking every opportunity and like accepting them. Has there ever been an opportunity that you accepted that you regret? Oh, this one right here, you guys. No, I'm just oh, kidding. That's, that's, that's all right, Mom. I'm still here. Uh, no, um, you know what? Honestly, not really. Because even when it goes bad, it's a good story later. You know, I've had so many times where I'm like, oh, it was a waste of resources. But it still was an opportunity to be creative or whatever. I've said yes to a lot of really bad shows or um podcasts none of which i'll name or um like as he looks at me right. <laughs> oh, except this one which i did <laughs> <laughs> no this is good this is good this is good um honestly you guys just to see your setup is pretty cool but um you know i've said yes to a lot of terrible like i've done shows for one person you know i've been in so many awkward situations or uh, situations where i was uncomfortable and that's good you know, being uncomfortable is good. So not really, but I've definitely in the moment been like, what have I done to myself quite a few times, you know? I Uh, I think we've all been there. Yeah. I did a show where the only two people showed up and I was like, well, show canceled. Obviously you can't do stand up comedy for two people. It needs context jokes. It needs to be a show. That's the whole point. Otherwise that becomes something totally different. And they were like, show goes on. And I'm like, what? So I we did a show for just two ladies. These two ladies. And they didn't even sit in the front. They were like, an, it was just brutal. It was garbage. You should have just pulled yourself <laughs> up right next to them well, and sat down with them. <laughs> thank God they had a wireless mic. I actually undid it went and sat at their table. Nice. But the guy who ran that club was like frustrated with me. It was a whole thing. But they liked it. Those ladies liked it. Well, there you so, go. It was yeah, a yeah. Su- success. Yeah, well, it was a success for me, but if you watch other people bomb and your balls hurt. Have you ever seen <laughs> someone, like, have you ever, you get sympathy pain? You ever watch, like, fail videos and you see someone yeah. fall and you're like, oh, God, and it, like, hurts in your, I've seen people bomb so hard that it, like, hurts, you know. It's brutal. I just watched the TED 2 episode where they're going to the improv and coming up with just mean topics. Like, give us a history, a date. 9-11, give us, like, I mean, just things like <laughs> it's impossible to find humor in. They were just, so I'm sure that, you know, failure's out there. Yeah, yeah. I would be 
10 and throwing out those options. There you go. The other question she had was, how do you work your way out of writer's block? Oh, work my way out of writer's block. So writer's block totally is real. It happens. Um, Usually I work my way out of writer's block by revisiting old topics and trying to make them better. So like a lot of the time writer's block is just like this. I forget how to start. I forget how to end, you know, or I forget how to start is the main one. So you're like, I don't know what to write or how to write anymore. You almost feel like you forget. And so to help you get out of that block is to go back to something like a joke I've already written and try to like fix it up or make it better. Or one that I wrote that was only half good that I still need to work on. And then um, I have like the layout already there. It's like a template. Right. And then I don't have to rethink a new idea. I just have to build on top of one. And then uh, once you do that, you get into this like creative momentum going. And then usually it overpowers the writer's block. Because writer's block, I think, is like the problem where you feel like you can't lay down a foundation. It's not necessarily the other parts. It's that I don't know how to begin anymore, at least for me. Anytime I have writer's block, I'm just like, oh, I don't know what to write, you know. And these days I've kind of gotten okay with like if I don't write something new for a while, I'm just like, yeah, because my style's more, um, it's like a little bit observational, but mostly my experiences. And so I don't write like like jokey jokes, you know, like just like one-liners or whatever. They're usually like little stories or pieces of my life. And so if I'm not writing, instead of being like, oh, I have writer's block, I'm just like, well, nothing's happening right now. And that's fine, you know. So I've kind of let myself go on that one. That goes along with my next question. How has your upbringing and um, that kind of stuff affected your comedy? Or how does it? Oh, man, it's uh, it's affected it a lot. I mean, it's 100% the reason I do comedy. Um, I think everyone, you know, most comics have like a, not the best upbringing. Or they have like a like their superhero moment where something terrible happens to them and then to cope. They have this moment where they can decide to, like, start making jokes about it or they could go down, like, some other different route. And uh, I just made jokes about everything. Whenever something was terrible, I made jokes about it. And I started to realize to myself, like, the worse the situation was, the funnier it was to joke about it. So, like, the worse the thing that would happen to me was, the more I would want to make jokes about it to my friends, you know. And so that sort of spiraled into where I'm at today. And, uh, I mean, also I have like infinite subjects. I'm always being reminded of things in my childhood and being like, I would, I should write about that, you know? So hopefully in the future, I'll, uh, you know, my trials and tribulations (laughs) as a kid will have turned into, you know, hours of jokes. We'll we'll learn a new dark corner. Yeah. Yeah. Basically. (laughs) What's your favorite thing about doing comedy? My favorite thing about doing comedy is that it validates me. You know, every, I think that's like what everyone wants, right? We all want to feel like you, you have a very specific time, place, and purpose. I think everyone who feels bad is like, if you, if you have purpose, you don't feel bad. That's why helping other people makes you feel good because it gives you momentary purpose, right? And so yeah. comedy in an overarching sense is like, okay, I know exactly what I'm here on earth to do right now. I don't have to worry about other shit. Just do this. And it, like, really gives me, like, a peace of mind. And so that's my favorite thing about comedy is that it's good for my mental health. <laughs> because before I was, like, I'm just, like, 
I don't have a lot going on. What do I do with my time? I just play games and like hang out. Like I feel like a loser and like nothing has changed objectively from then to now. I'm still the same person. I'm still a big nerd. I don't do anything different except for comedy, you know, but comedy is like this, my purpose. And so I like that. Um, That's basically it. You know, also I like making people happy. It's fun to see people laugh. My favorite is when people laugh when they don't want to. That's yeah. the best. That's the best feeling. That's my favorite thing about Wise Guys is just kind of people watch as the show's going on and seeing the people that like cat catch themselves laughing at something they shouldn't. Yeah, yeah, that's the best when someone's kind of caught off guard. I like that like slow build and then they they kind of like realize like, "Well, shit, I'm <laughs> laughing now." And they like let it go. That's really funny to me. And then the, my other favorite thing is the the slow slower crowds where a joke takes a minute to work through the crowd yeah yeah you can like see it moving (laughs) through that's really good i love that kind of stuff yeah what's your least favorite thing about comedy my least favorite thing well a lot of people don't know this about comedy but it's more bad than it is good for sure yeah like you're gonna do more bad shows than good shows you're gonna have more bad times than good times you're gonna you know in uh, in, in like the overarching scheme of things, if you're around long enough, I think you'll maybe start to amass more good than bad. But especially starting out, it's mostly bad, you know. And so there's a lot of like hurt feelings, uh, not doing well at shows, dealing with people critiquing you, dealing with like, am I good enough? Am I not good enough? Like there's, you know, so much... Uh, negativity and like doubt surrounding you that it really sucks um material translating when you're visiting another part of the country totally there's just like a million things to consider and think about and you know that's how life goes you can do everything correctly prepare 100 percent, and have earned the victory and still lose that's just life and so that's something you have to deal with as a comedian um Though, I actually don't think that's my least favorite part. Uh, That's fine with me. I'm okay with failure, actually. Um, My least favorite part is, like, that there's no, uh, there's no, like, where do I go next? There's a certain point in comedy where you're like, okay, I've done everything that I'm supposed to do here. Now, the only thing I can do here is either get more popular, which what does that mean in the grand scheme of things, or nothing. So, you're trying to figure out, like, okay, well, how do I get on TV, or how do I get you know netflix to notice me or and then there's a point where like i literally you just don't know what to do next right and that's a bummer because you know you're good you know you're ready or you feel ready but you literally don't know where to go and then at that point it just begins like this grind where you're like i just got to start putting myself out there and traveling and spending my money and time hoping against hope something will work out and so that's like or Tough. just, you know, not doing anything with it and just getting burned out. Totally. A lot of people get burned out. A lot of good people get burned out. I mean, there's just, you know, if you want to make it, quote unquote, make it, it's just like there's no set path and then there's no real, you need help and you don't know who the people who are going to help you are. So you, you're just like wandering around in the dark hoping it works out, you know, and it's a very slim chance, so... That's a that part kind of sucks, you know. When you get as good as you can get before, oh, okay. Well, now I just have to hope that you know something gives and I get to the next thing. 
But you you earlier hit on something that I think is really important too. You talked about like just keeping your feet moving. Totally. And then you also talked about recognizing your weaknesses or your lack. And for you, you talked about that you never had written like a TV show. Yeah, yeah. And so it sounds like you're trying to strengthen all those weaknesses. Totally. What advice do you have for people to even learn how to do that? Oof. I mean, that's just mental toughness. Um, I mean, a lot of that is mental toughness. Just being like, uh, just trusting like, this is my plan. I'm sticking to the plan, even though it feels hopeless. This is the mission. Until I find a better way, this is the way it's going to happen. Don't stop moving your feet, right? And then as far as like shoring up your weaknesses, for I've had people ask me this before, actually. It's tough because how do you develop like self-awareness, right? We usually protect ourselves from like where we lack and we're not very honest with ourselves or we literally can't see where we're lacking. I mean, right. I know a lot of comics who will do badly, get off stage, and you'll be like, so how do you think that went? And they'll be like, killed it. And you're like, okay, do you really believe that? That's crazy to me. And it's yeah. it's not uncommon. There's a lot of people who think they're much better than they are. And I'm the person who gets off stage, and everyone's like, you did well. And I'm like, I'm a piece of shit. I hate myself, <laughs> you know? And so um, I don't know. You, you have to walk this line where you're self-aware and you're constantly critiquing yourself and being as hard on yourself as you can be, but at the same time walking this line where you don't discourage yourself by doing that. So you have to believe in yourself while also hating yourself. That's a tough, like, right? There's like this weird gray area you have to exist in in order yeah. to be self-aware enough to really critique yourself but also keep going. And so a lot of what I do is just like being too stubborn to quit and then also being hard enough on myself that I'm like, oh, yeah, you suck at this. Get better now. You know, you better get better before someone notices you suck at this. So critic and cheerleader. Yeah. Yeah. So it's um, that's hard. I mean, developing self-awareness is just it's like, how do you tell someone to become like something that seems like an innate skill? Like, it's hard to tell someone like to get funnier. Do you think, like, I don't even know if someone can get funnier. I know someone could get funnier on stage, but they have to already be funny. Like, do you think being funny is an innate skill or a learned skill? It's so tough to know. It, it varies because, you, know, you know, some people can develop it who didn't, you know, weren't funny and outgoing when they were younger or whatnot and discovered their kind of salesman skill or more outgoing but then there's other people that are just they can do it you know they don't even have to write yeah you know they can just step on stage for the first time and kill but you also talked about it it's practice yeah and yeah so like it's so like i think you know you do have to have some skill but that skill is going to get you nothing if you don't practice to even like make it better or to even like excel at it yeah talent uh talent is like a part of it but hard work is i i think personally i work harder than i am talented what is the saying like um hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work so like i mean i definitely believe that but as far as like comedy goes and being self-aware and all those things i think there's like a certain amount of non-negotiable innate skill required you know, because I know people who um, are funny, but it doesn't translate to the stage at all. And they're really bad. And maybe they could work on it 
But I know people who work so hard and are never funny. So it's tough. Is there a critic or somebody in your life that you keep by you to tell you when Abs- you suck? Absolutely. Like, I mean, who is, who's the best person that does that for you and why? Oh, my gosh. I have a person who's my designated person who hates everything I do. He's one of my best friends. His name is Mac Arthur. He's he's ruthless. <laughs> ruthless. Doesn't care about your feelings whatsoever. So um, I really enjoy having him around. He's definitely on the spectrum. But uh, he's he's good to have around because he's just like ruthlessly mean, you know, to the point that it's like overly critical where I'll do well and I'll know how I've done well. And he'll tell me I'm bad and I'll have to be like, you're wrong this it's time. shit, man. Yeah, yeah. But that's good. You need um, yeah. friends who do care about you that will concede when you're good sometimes, but that will be like, uh, you'll get off stage and you'll have had a great set. And instead of being like, great set, man, they'll be like, hey, you messed up here. Or this is how you can make this better. And you need to be good enough to be like, not be a baby and be like, well, I need your support. Well, your support is you making me better. I need that. That's what I need. You know, and that, that's the best kind of support. Totally. So you need. But uh, then again, with him, he's also supportive in an overarching sense. So even when he's critical, it's easy to realize he's your friend. You need someone who can walk that balance, you know. Who can be mean but is your friend? Uh, whereas you know there are people in your life who are probably just mean. You don't need that. Fuck that. Get rid of those people. Definitely. But yeah, yeah, it's good to have that. That's so funny you say that because he really is like my designated <laughs> critical. Like I'll take him places just hoping he'll criticize me so I can like see what I need to work on. Does he offer his services? Because maybe I need that. <laughs> Oh, man, he'll be mean to anyone for free. That is real. <laughs> that is real. He, he went with you down to to the AVN Awards. Yeah, he did. We took him with us. How, how did that go with him? It was hilarious. <laughs> Firstly, so we brought uh, we brought my co-host, who's just like this beautiful girl, right, or woman, right? And she's like, you know, voluptuous and, and just like she looks like she belongs there. And she we, we all uh, we agree to like dress up together. And then we brought this third, uh, a third friend, uh, this girl. Her name's Rachel, and she's just like this bombshell, this absolute super tall, like supermodel looking ultra babe, right? So we have, you know, uh, Noelle, who looks like a porn star and is like this voluptuous, beautiful woman wearing like these like really revealing clothes. And then we had Rachel, who's this like supermodel that looks like she should be on like TV and stuff. And then I look like a garbage, trash, rock and roll person probably, but I was wearing a suit. So it's these beautiful women who both have like this very specific look and they're all dressed up and me all dressed up. And then I purposefully didn't (laughs) tell Mac we were dressing up. (laughs) So we, I'm with these like the most, these just gorgeous women. And then it's me all dressed up in a suit. Like I belong with them. And then Mac was like, what the fuck? And he was just wearing like a t-shirt and shorts, (laughs) like a nerd. He looked so stupid. And it, we was walking around with us the whole time. And it was so funny. Oh my god, that killed me. Yeah, it was really fun. <laughs> Did he get into any trouble down there? <laughs> yeah, a little. Uh so we went to the Mandalay Bay at one point to hang out and eat. I think they had vegan pizza. Noel, my co-host, is vegan. By the way, I feel like I talked way too much about how pretty those girls are. They're gonna be all weirded <laughs> out. They're my friends and they're gonna be like, What the fuck, dude? Stop talking about how anyway, you guys But it's their brains. Right? It's their brains. 
yeah, just one of them. <laughs> Decide amongst yourselves who it is. And so, um, <laughs> uh, so we go to the Mandalay Bay to eat vegan pizza or something because Noel's vegan. So we're there. We eat the pizza and we go to leave. And this parking attendant is being like a douche, and he's like not letting us through. And so we have to back up and go through this other way. And he like wouldn't take our card, and he wouldn't let us through. And so he's standing there like. Um, manually putting in everyone's information to raise the gate so you can leave the Mandalay Bay Casino. And it's like $10 to park. It's ridiculous. And so he's like personally doing this and he's yelling and making everyone get in this line and it's taking forever. And so he was a total dickhead to us. And so as we're uh, in line, we're the second car in line and he's taking the money of the first car um, and he uh, raises the gate for that first car and waves at us to pull up to pay him. Mac just guns the gas and goes right <laughs> under the bar as it starts to come down. And the guy starts, like, chasing us on foot. <laughs> and then and we're just, like, screaming because we're, like, full speed going through this parking garage. And then the guy's chasing us. on. I don't know what his plan is to, like, pull us out of the car. And then we realize the light is red, so we're going to have to stop, and he's going to catch up to us. So Mac just blows through the red light and, like, drifts out onto the strip, (laughs) and we just, like, drive away into the night, escaping from (laughs) the guard, and uh, it was was pretty good. So it was really unexpected. Mac's not, like, a law-breaking guy. So out of nowhere, he was just like, fuck this guy, and he just gunned it and just, like, swerved past this car and drifted out into the street. And we escaped, forever becoming the Mandalay Bandits. Yeah, your picture's probably posted. Yeah, maybe. I mean, I'm a pretty rememberable... <laughs> me and Noel especially, like, they would be like, these two motherfuckers are never allowed back. I want to go back to the Mandalay Bay just to see what happens. You should give him $10. $10, he, right? I mean, he probably deserves it. He chased uh, you for a while. He, he really did. I was, like, impressed with how far he ran. <laughs> I was like... Really? You're that committed? If I were him, I would have been like, well, there goes another one. And like, that's the next car. Like, whatever, dude. I don't get paid enough. They don't pay me enough to do this. There's no way. When do you perform in Salt Lake again? Um, I perform in Salt Lake again. That's a really good question. I'm actually not sure. Um, I don't have a lot of bookings for August because I purposefully avoided booking August shows because I plan on being in L.A. for like two weeks at the end of this month. I will be at uh spending time at the club uh hanging out hopefully with nate bergazzi this weekend at wise guys downtown but um i perform at every open mic that wise guys puts on sometimes i host so if you ever want to see me do some comedy or just see me make fun of a lot of people come to wise guys on wednesdays at 7 30 p.m and you can see maybe me hosting but like yeah i don't have a lot of bookings this august so I actually don't know when the next time I'm performing stand-up is. I and if people want to find you, if, or how do they find you? If people want to find me, they can find me on Facebook, Shane Smith, S-H-A-Y-N-E. And if they want to find me on Twitter, it's uh, Shane Smith or Shay Dozer. It's S-H-A-Y-D-O-Z-E-R. Uh, and then that's the same for Instagram, Shay Dozer. And then if you want to find a Freaky Geeks podcast, just look up Freaky Geeks podcast, and we're on – we're everywhere, so – yeah, yeah, yeah. Woo, woo. Oh, you have anything? Um, yeah. Final question. All right, let's hear it. Tell us something about yourself that you've never told anyone else. Something about myself that I've never told anyone. That would be really tough because I'm like wildly open. That's why I thought it was a good on question. stage and on my podcast personally. So you're gonna have to get like 
uh, a random fact, like something I did today that I wouldn't tell anyone. Oh, man, what don't I tell anyone? What does no one know about me? Dude, that's so tough. What did I... Um, I don't know, man. I like... What do I like that no one knows that I enjoy? I unironically like Nickelback. That's something everyone hates, that band. (laughs) I don't talk about... That's something I've, like, never talked about publicly. I'm sure some people know about me, but, like... I think their hits on the radio are just like kind of catchy. Sure, it's pretty good. Why does everyone hate that band? I don't get it. There are more. There are worse bands to hate for sure. And is Hanson, it, you probably it, like Hanson. Oh, I'm not a fan of Hanson. I didn't like them. I liked uh, Backstreet Boys and NSYNC when I was a kid. So remember when Hanson came out, I was like, dude, they don't have the sick beats. Like, what are you? They just have lame guitars. Here's a problem with me. I don't like people my own age. So when Hanson came out, I was like, yeah, dude, they're, they're our age. Fuck those guys. They're just rich kids. <laughs> it's like when people are like, do you watch sports, like professional sports? I don't really. I'm 30. I don't want to watch some guy who's twenty, a 25-year-old millionaire who's famous yeah. do something I wish I could do. You know, that bothers me. I'm like, fuck that guy. I want to be a millionaire who plays basketball. I'll never be that. But, you know, I don't know. That's where I'm at. And sports is just. 30 games of them doing the same thing for 30 games. I like I like the idea of sports. Like, I like to play sports. I appreciate pro sports. But there's something inside me I can't turn off, like, especially during college sports, where I watch and I'm like, dude, that's just a, a 20-year-old dude who's, like, famous, making all this money or whatever, and I'm just me. Fuck that guy. Like, I don't <laughs> like him. Immediately, I'm like, I don't like that guy. So, yeah, so, yeah. So Nickelback. Yeah, sure. I listen to Nickelback <laughs> sometimes. What's that song he did for Spider-Man, the hero song? That's a good song. Fuck everybody who likes that song. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> oh, hero to save me. Is that like, His voice is kind of weird. I'll admit that. As but... soon as Shane drives out of the parking lot, we know that's what's going to yeah, be blaring it's gonna in be his car. Bumping. We're on Nickelback CD. <laughs> oh, man. No, I've been listening to Post Malone like nonstop. I can't stop listening. Tyler, the creator is another one I've been listening to, but. Post, post the Malone? Post Malone. Post Malone. Yeah, yeah, what, yeah. What kind of music is that? Rap, hip-hop. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Check it out. Yeah, check it out. He's really good. He's on the radio. If you heard one of his songs, you'd be like, oh, yeah, I've heard this before. So. All right. Now that everyone everyone was like, okay, I'm kind of on board with this guy. Seems a little funny. Yeah, you just like kind of interesting. It. But yeah. I mean, like, at least you held it until the end. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we got the, the good stuff. Yeah, and then they're like, Nickelback. Okay, I'm done. I'm not looking at this guy. Well, end on a sour note. <laughs> mm. There you go. All right. Thanks, for everybody, for joining us. Um, you can find us online, Your Creativity Podcast. See you next time. Thanks, Shane. See you, guys. Woo-woo.